0: Everybody and welcome back to the bundesliga show brought to you by over the bar uh we are here to review match week 29 of the bundesliga uh obviously joined by mark and paul uh sorry by peter uh as
1: usual.
0: just um I mean, I'm in a rush. Right? I mean, I've been playing five sides football. I just got back in just in time to do the show. The commitment there is just unreal for me. So um, <laughs> so anyway, what, we want to talk about Bundesliga action. We've got loads to talk about. We've got new, uh, new league leaders. Uh, the fight for the top four is really heating up. Uh, the relegation race, well, we didn't see many points at the bottom sides at all over the weekend. Um, so there's lots to get through. Uh, before we do, please do make sure that you smash a like on the show, comment along. Uh, we've already got a few in from Balen, by looks it, so we'll come to any questions that Balen has asked. Make sure you <coughs> press red, subscribe, push us up to that 900. We're almost at 900 then. We really want to hit 1k by the end of the season. We're going to have loads of plans to the end of the season as well. Plenty of watch along to end of season specials, more guests, you name it. We're going to try and do it for you. Um, um, just before we get going... A uh, very uh, big shout-out to our brilliant partners, Bundesliga Boxes. They're just dropped uh, batch 29. has just come out, so make sure you get yourselves across to Bundesliga Boxes on Twitter or on their website, and therefore uh, you can get yourself one of the fresh German authentic football T-shirts that you might want to uh, get a hold of all the way from the Bundesliga to the Regional Liga. Anything in between, you can get yourselves, uh, uh, well, a lovely, a lovely top. Uh, they do badges, pins, match programs, everything that comes in um, inside your, your Bundesliga box. So make sure you head over and get yourself one, a treat for the springtime and for the end of the season. Um, right then, gents. Uh, also, of course, a shout out to our other partners, the brilliant Bully News, which Peter, uh, got your name right this time, uh, writes for on regular. Um Right then, gents, uh, I think naturally we will start off with the title race, which has swung another way this weekend after match week 29. We have new leaders. Uh, Borussia Dortmund <clears throat> took the lead. Um, but maybe we should cover the the game that happened before. Dortmund were able to advance up the table uh, and talk a little bit about mines and Bayern, um, who have kind of uh, entered crisis mode if they weren't already in crisis mode. Um, so the game itself, gents, um, obviously Bayern went ahead uh, in the match, uh, a lovely cross from Miao Cancelo, uh, which was nodded in from about, well, a yard, if that, uh, by Sadio Mane, getting his first goal for a long while for the club. Um, and then after that, mine's really did work themselves back into this match very well in the second half. And it was a, a blitz of goals, really, in the second half, leading the way with, from the equalisers from Ajoek. Uh, And then after that, there were some really fine goals scored by Mainz. Uh, you know, we've lauded mines since, you know, the, the Rook Runder, the way that they've played. Uh, the signing of Ajourk has really jettisoned them up the table, the way that they've played. Uh the goals have now come for him, even though I think as soon as he came to the club they were using him appropriately. The goals didn't quite come straight away. Um but uh, I'll go to Mark first then. Um what did you make of this match? I think you were doing the predictions perhaps uh at half time during the watch along and, and you probably predicted a uh mm-hmm. if I remember a minds win. I think you went for it didn't yeah. you so you yeah. expected it, Mark. Um, mm. Do you think Bayern played badly or do you think it was just a case of mines saw their opportunity and were too good?
2: Yeah, I think I said to you, Rory, I think we were talking by text just after the game and I said I, I'm not surprised at all that mines won this game of football. But the, the game itself was a bit of a strange one in some ways because I, I actually thought that mines started really poorly in the game. Like, in, in the first half, they weren't that great uh, at all. They were making a lot of mistakes at the back and I think obviously... Uh, A lot of uh, good chances for Bayern. Uh, Mane had the goal disallowed as well as getting the goal, which was a really good finish, to be fair. He's going to be crucial. Uh, If he can finish the season well, you know, then Bayern might possibly still have a chance in this title race. But yeah, the second half is just a totally different game. And this was like vintage Mainz, basically. A fantastic second half performance from them. Admittedly, the first goal... Criticism has to go to both the defense and uh, Jan Sommer again. Like I know, I know quite a lot of uh, Bayern Munich fans over here in in Nuremberg or in the surrounding area, and a lot of them are not happy at all with Jan Sommer. Like they they think he's completely failed at Bayern Munich. A lot of them, from what I've been hearing. But for me, a lot of criticism has to go to the defence. I mean, if you look at the second goal, I mean, what is Stanisic doing at all? Like That's absolutely woeful defending. He just kind of falls over, it hits his hand, and then just ends up falling nicely for uh, Barrero, who obviously knocks it away comfortably. Initially, when I watched this, I thought it was a handball from the uh, Mainz attacker, actually. I thought it was going to get chalked off, but obviously uh, it was a Stanisic handball so it could have been a penalty as well and maybe even a red card just a bit of everything really went wrong there for the young man uh, who obviously doesn't start many games but he was drafted in for this game as Bayern when with the Back three as well. So obviously Davis came back in, Joao Cancelo, and just didn't work again. You know, this defense is really, really concerning. I've talked a lot of times that I'm not really a big fan of the Opamicano DeLic partnership. And that's a controversial opinion because, you know, people have different views on that. But for me, it's not really been a partnership that's impressed me, especially since Lucas Hernandez got injured they've looked dreadful at the back to me and obviously Neuer the injury but yeah let, let's credit Mainz I mean it was just another brilliant performance and once they got that equalizer they hadn't done that much before the equalizer although a jog did knock a couple of chances over just before the leveler but yeah I mean the leveler was just a simple header really One an open net really couldn't miss but yet again the big Frenchman was, was superb in this performance you know holding up the ball allowing Mainz's attackers to get more and more involved in the game. Lee was very good too. He was instrumental in the second goal as well, uh, the Korean uh, forward. Even honesty as well, coming back in for Ingvartsen for this game, he was excellent as well and he kind of sparked that uh, resurgence in the second half from the home side. And yeah, the third goal, the strike from um, Martin was just fantastic. Really, one. I'm a little bit surprised to see that it proves the quality that Mines have got. The fact that he's not been starting games recently, because I'd really like him, uh, Martin. You know, the the fullback and overall easy win. Really, you would say for for Mainz. Um Bayern just completely capitulated after the one the one one. You know, congratulations to them and Boas Svensson. It's 10 unbeaten for them as well now, which is an incredibly good run. I think I think the second or third since the Rook Runder officially started. They've only lost one game uh, since the Rook Runder started in 12. So congratulations to them. The, you know, the Ryan Hessen are going to probably get into Europe this season for me. As for Bayern, it's just complete catastrophe, isn't it, at the moment?
0: Yeah, I mean, looking at the result, and I have to admit... I'm a bit of a cynic in the fact that I know you and Peter, whilst doing a couple of other shows and, and maybe watch alongs, have spoken about buying a bit more and and how much trouble they're in. And I, I was kind of holding off a little bit because since doing the show and since following the Bundesliga more closely and and covering it, I, I've just kind of been I've been tricked into thinking at times buying were you know, they were falling over or there might be a title race. But lo and behold, most of the time didn't happen. Bayern would just bounce back and they'd win the title Um, and, you know, it would be standard play. But now, Peter, do do we have the genuine crisis, everything that's been going on in the background, lots of murmurs about Oliver Kahn's job security, uh, particularly right now, obviously the result in the second half capitulation, as, as Mark's already alluded to. What do you think about it um, from, from a Bayern point of view? And then we can maybe give Mainz even more credit.
1: <clears throat> well, I, I think the result was was actually quite foreseeable. I, uh, I did not have the courage during the watch-along to tip a, a, a Mainz win. I, I went with a draw. Um, but uh, I think that the form that Bayern displayed at Hoffenheim uh, last week I mean, it was clear in their body language that this is a team in total disarray. It's a team that's struggling, as uh, Thomas Tuchel and, and Thomas Müller have have put it in their post-match interviews with their energy levels. Um, I believe Tuchel said, you know, we look like a team that's already played uh, 80 fixtures. So, you know, we've talked a lot about this Byron soap opera and, and how many distractions have been uh, tipping this team over the line and its accumulation of things. You know, it's not just the... Tony Topalovich situation it's not just Serge Nabry and fashion week it's not just the uh the coaching change it's not just uh Sa- well the one that tipped it over was Sadio Mane hitting Leroy Sané in the face <laughs> that was the one that really at that point you're just like okay the team is imploding and uh, and that's what we saw from Bayern I mean we really did see and and Tuchel um you Know Svensson, one has to give credit to Svensson for his tactics. He was in a uh, he re put them in a 5 4 1 for the second half, uh, that was very, very good at, at winning uh, midfield balls with Dominique Cour and Leandro Barreiro in midfield and Edmilson Fernandez. He was at the at the sweeper position. Uh, but uh, Tuchel, I mean, he was trying a little something, he had a it was like a stepstone uh, constellation as we call it sometimes, where you have you know uh 678 step zone is is a type of tactical constellation in this case he had Musiala Müller Mane and that was the idea with the link up play that they were supposed to just dot 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 go forward and and Mane did score a goal as you pointed out um, the early Alfonso Davies injury which moved uh Cancelo back over to the left actually ended up benefiting uh, as Cancelo got the assist Musrawy came on and was fine uh, Stanisich had a very very poor game as as Mark was apt to point out. Uh, Jan Sommer seems to be he seems to me to be shrinking. I mean he just looks increasingly like a dwarf. You know <laughs> in goal. Um, you know it's every every game he looks more hobbit like. Um, every, every, uh, every time he runs out of the goal, I'm thinking of that first Hobbit movie, you know, where the, where Bilbo Baggins is like, I'm going on an adventure. <laughs> it's <laughs> I mean, really a fresh old day. <laughs> <Precisely. laughs> so, um, you know, and obviously he's not as tall as Noya. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that just, that signing looks increasingly more like a, a, a disaster um, more problems at the back. What does I mean? What does Daly Blind have to do to, to get into this team? I mean, he's, <laughs> he's not getting above the uh, the fifth string no matter what he does. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they are in in total disarray on a number of levels. I, I, it's hard. They have an easier schedule than Dortmund uh, to yeah. finish the season off, so they could still very well get their title. But, um, yeah. Kahn is is, uh, is is now being questioned. Amidst so, uh, Brazzo is now being questioned, um, and let's let's not forget. I mean, okay, but we should talk about Mainz. We we did talk about Mainz, too. We can keep talking about Ajorque. By far the 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 best uh, uh, transfer of the January transfer window. You know, my thoughts on Ajorque these days. Poor you, Rory. He was it was you know Stuttgart were trying to sign him. Uh, during the summer window, and they went with griwasi uh, instead. At the wrong. Well, card.
0: he's he's not done a bad job. Okay. Good old Guirassi, Indeed, but, but he's
1: not a Jorgke, okay. and yeah, uh, he's not a
0: Jorke, okay, But uh, yeah, that's true. I give him credit.
1: Uh, uh, you know, Herta had a chance to get him as well. Bobic uh, uh, thought he was too expensive, so Mainz really won the sweepstakes there with him, and uh, mm-hmm. a couple other clubs in the relegation race are. Wish they had him uh, at this point in time.
0: Just, just talking about signings, very quickly, what what, what have we seen with Mazraoui and Gravenberch? Like two players who came with such an exciting mm. profile from Ajax. Mm. Um, and mazraoui has been very clear to voice his opinions um, in in the media and in the press about his frustrations. Gravenberch, I think, has been a little bit more... Quiet, but there's also been lots of links, particularly with Liverpool, uh, and and him as a, a as a player. I mean, what was the point in signing them? Uh, they've mm. barely played, um, mm. and players of clear quality. Uh, obviously, he came on and uh, uh, Masrawi in, in this match and was okay. But are we going to see a bit more from them? But Suko hasn't exactly come in and freed them, has he? They, they've still been reserved in terms of their their match time
1: uh the important thing to keep a note there both players were signed on a free and salihamidzic was praised for for getting both of those players daily Blind also signed on a free for whatever that's worth um but uh so salihamidzic was initially praised for his for his off-season uh you know how how proactive he was in the yep. season that bayern lost lewandowski mm-hmm. but now we're looking at uh quite a few transfer flops um, uh, you can call Mane a transfer flop at this point. They will probably be a uh, parting company uh, with him this offseason. You can call Soma a transfer flop, uh, even though, you know, if you were to stick yourself in Salihamidzis' shoes, you figure, okay, those moves made logical sense. They, they, they made good sense. Um, but now, I mean, you have these players that are simply either not getting in the lineup under two different coaching regimes um, uh, you know, and, and not making an impact. And so, you know, uh, Nagelsmann did sort of double as the squad planner. Uh, he had a role, which, I mean, you know, we've talked about this before on this pod, how Germans refer to what you English would refer to as managers, as trainers for the important reason that, uh, the manager is the front office person. And, uh, generally speaking, uh, uh most German football clubs have a squad planner. It's rare that a coach uh, uh, gets a role as deep a role in squad planning as Nagelsmann did. Um, you know, Jurgen Klinsmann resigned from Hatta because he assumed that he was going to get a greater role as a uh, as a squad planner. You know, he was, was a little bit, and he he did have that role somewhat at, at Bayern as well. So this is this is what makes this all the more bizarre and. You know for them to decide to to jump ship with Nagosman, when he have had effectively planned the squad when they had fired manuel neuer's preferred goalkeeping coach <laughs> uh, to placate him you know and now go with tuchel and tuchel doesn't know what to do he has no explanations every post-match interview is the same i don't know what's going on the lads look tired i'm not sure how things are going on tuchel also let's not forget he he took off muller and Kimmich. Uh, in the Mainz match. What? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Those are your two leaders on the pitch. Kimmich is is your hardest player. He's the only one who's <clears throat> going to play through all of this. And and Müller is is your you know sort of de facto captain. Uh, Radio Müller is in, in Neuer's absence. So, I mean, this is just such a right, fine, tangled mess that I don't... It's really, really tough to see a way out of it. The only thing that, that gives Bayern the title is is the easier schedule at this
0: point. Yeah. Yep, very true. Um, Well, we spent a good amount of time talking about Bayern and giving praise to mind. So let's move on to then um, the other match, obviously, then that had title implications, which was later on that day. And I don't know if you can call a lot of things perfect timing, but I think the way that this match was set up for me, the fact that Dortmund would have been able to see the Bayern result at home to a Frankfurt team who... Just yeah, aren't particularly asked it seems um, to put it frankly, um, and oh well, you're still worried that Dortmund might not (laughs) act upon their great opportunity here. But lo and behold, um, they took control of the match very uh, well, very quickly. um, Jude Bellingham with the twist. And Shouts, the twist uh, on the edge of the box uh, from Julian Brandt, uh, passing to him, using the pace on the pass to turn his man and find the net. And I think after that, Dortmund fans alike may have felt relatively comfortable. Um, then, you know, backed up by another fine performance by Daniel Marlin. and um, ably assisted by Adiemi, so rising above Tuta to get the header which set up Marlon for him to finish on the half-volley. That's 2-0. Adiemi then had a one-on-one with Trapp, didn't put that away. Um, Although then, to be fair, Frankfurt had a couple of chances within Mbimbe uh, and former Dortmund man Mario Goetze. Um, But after that, Guerrero returning to his left-back position, Um, set up Hummels for a rare goal this season. He's usually quite um, active on the goal scoring charts um, in previous years um, and made it 3-0. That was pretty much the game um, and you never felt that Frankfurt wouldn't come back from 2-0 there alone free and and the rest is history. Dortmund took their chance gents. Um, Mark I guess you can kind of say perfect scenario for them. Unless you think it was different, do you think it was more of a challenge for Dortmund? Still pressure on, I guess. But for me, the way it felt, it was perfect for them.
2: Yeah, I think definitely there's a... You can definitely mention that, but I think it was very professional, in my opinion, from Dortmund. I think on one side, you could say, yeah, it was a great opportunity. But let's be honest, it kind of messed up in that opportunity last week, didn't he, as we mentioned against Stuttgart? So there was a little bit of pressure. We know that Frankfurt can play on the day, although we've not seen it for a long time now. But I just thought the way they approached the game, that was a title winner's performance, in my opinion. I just thought it was brilliant uh, from the first minute. I just think Jude Bellingham, you know, he's not been as good in the Rook Runder as he was in the Hin Runder, which is quite ironic because obviously Dortmund have been a lot better in the Rook Runder overall. But for me, he was one of their pretty much their only good player in the Hin Runder, really. they they weren't that good in that period but since this was one of his best performances of the season though, he was brilliant in this game it was like he led you know he's the kind of leader in that team and he got the opening goal which was a great move from him a great strike but again the key man it was that man uh, Daniel Marlon again like where's he where's he been the last 18 months you know because like he's looked a real player the last 3 or 4 weeks and, you know, he looks like he's enjoying his football again. The fans are starting to like him a little bit more. You know, he's going to be a key man. If Dortmund want to win this title, he could be the man that kind of fires him to the goals. Because, let's be honest, Allaire hasn't really got the goals that we might have hoped. I think he's only on 3 or 4 for the season. So they still need to get those goals. And, you know, Dortmund are have got goals all over the pitch, basically, which is one of their strengths that Bayern Munich don't have at the moment. To be honest, but yeah, I mean Julian Brandt was back to his best in this game. I just thought it was a great performance. Guerrero was fantastic from left back, Rierson again, solid. Schlotterbeck was he really made a difference. Obviously, he missed the last couple of games before this, and I thought he was really good at uh, centre half, putting himself in front of everything really. No. But as to Frankfurt, I mean, <laughs> some of their some of their team lineup, their lineup choices are just insane. I just can't believe how many games Hasebi's getting. Uh, He's about 39 years old uh, (laughs) and he's playing almost every week at centre-half. I might tell my dad there's a job going at Frankfurt at the moment in the centre of that defence because, to be honest, he just looks lost a lot of the time. Uh, I mean, I don't know what Oliver Glass was thinking giving him so many games because, you know, it just seemed as though he was rolling towards the end of his career, didn't it? The Japanese uh, legend. I mean, he's a legend, the guy, let's be honest. He's been a great player over the years, but... You know, at 39 years old, he's not had a good season at all. And, you know, I don't understand why he gets uh, picked so often. They just didn't really offer very much at all. I think Goethe had a chance at 1-0, but that was all I can really remember of Cool Even Muani didn't have his best game. But, yeah, fantastic performance from Dorman, champions performance from me. If they can get close to that in the next five games, they'll win the title, I'm sure of it.
0: Exciting stuff, exciting stuff. Um, I, I don't think we really need to talk too much about Frankfurt, to be honest, Peter. We've already kind of alluded to the fact that they're being, they're being cherry-picked apart. There are players, I say there are players, there are lots of players leaving at the end of the season. And, Mark, when you say, you know, why is Hasibi being picked? Maybe because he's one of the few players that's actually sticking around, to be honest. And, and like we said, um, you know, maybe Glasner's picking him because... You know, I might as well pick some lads uh, hanging around like you said last week, Peter. Maybe we'll see a Frankfurt team who were picked on the basis of players who actually want to stay put. Um, so I, we still didn't see a performance from from Frankfurt at all. Uh, Peter, were you, were you impressed uh, quickly by by Dorman? Similar to Mark? do you think it was professional performance, feeling the pressure and so on?
1: I, uh, I will echo Mark's words. Uh, champions performance is absolutely how I would put it. Um, really just a, a great performance from everyone on the pitch. Uh, Daniel Malen, I believe, has now scored in, let's see, one, two, three, four, uh, five consecutive matches. The, uh, the man who was tapped to replace Jaden Sancho has, has finally hit his stride, has finally hit his form. Uh, for me, Adeyemi has been equally as impressive, um, the young German. I think that they have uh, two best wingers in the league at the moment. only thing that bothers me about Adiemi is he got carded for diving again in this one. <laughs> it was the second time in three weeks. Um, Schlotterbeck actually uh, was, was subbed off uh, on 25 minutes after taking a free kick to the face. Uh, but Sturley was able to step in and do an excellent job. Uh, for me, the, the man of the match was none other than, than Mats Hummels. Uh, I think the uh, the 34-year-old, um, He, I led the tactics column with a picture of him as, as a tribute to him because, I mean, he's not as fast as he used to be. And perhaps I'm saying this because I had to move a piano today, and it's a tough task. But whenever Matt Homos is on a you know, recovery run, he sometimes looks like he has a piano on his back. But he makes it. And he makes the recovery runs, and I I counted, you know, because I was doing a detailed piece on it for the focus section, four times that he got a a round of applause uh, from the Signal Iduna crowd. Perhaps I should call it the Westfalenstadion crowd as an honor to the protests uh, that have been taking place there uh, recently against the uh, the sponsorship. But uh, wow, I mean, what a great performance from the team. What a great performance from the crowd. I liked seeing Jude Bellingham. Uh, do his little raise the roof uh gesture mm-hmm. that about three or four times as he was getting the crowd pumped up something that you know ordinarily you would say ah the kid the 19 year old kid I, I like to see something like that. But uh homeless was amazing in the tackles that he made. Uh also the finish um on that uh the third goal not the goal that sealed it I mean <laughs> with a three-nil uh a lead after what happened last week in Stuttgart you couldn't say that, that Dortmund you know had a safe lead at any point until Mahlen scored that uh, that fourth and completed his brace but the finish on that was just so delicate it was so sublime it was it was one of those goals um you know and it, it Bellingham was active in the build-up play Guerrero sent in the cross where you would think oh this is your typical too flowery Dortmund they're trying to get too fancy but there they finished it And that's what differentiates one of the things that differentiates this Dortmund side from the side of years past. That's why this was a championship performance. Uh, They took care of business. Um, You know, if you look at it XG-wise, it was actually a lot more even than the scoreline would suggest. Frankfurt did have their chances. Uh, But Hummels stood tall, Riason stood tall, Sule and Schlatterbeck for the limited amount of time that he was on there, and Guerrero all did their job, as did Emre Khan uh and uh yeah i mean that's <clears throat> i mean with frankfurt's what else can you say at this point i mean glasner has no reason to to stick with this three four three three six one that he's sticking with not with all of the injuries that are mounting up in defense anyways you know and uh i don't know he just sticks with it he sticks with these these wing backs even though everybody's out of position knaufs on the wrong side uh, you know, Knauf, I have to say, <laughs> at this point, I mean, the latest I heard was that uh, uh, that Frankfurt offered Dortmund five million for a permanent purchase. <laughs> they could get him cheaper at this point <laughs> with the way that Knauf has been playing as of late. Yeah. I, I, you know, maybe two, three million would be appropriate. He's just not, not only is he playing poorly, his body language and his, his belly aching is awful and it's annoying. <laughs> Um so yeah, but this is this is why Dortmund are an excellent pick to win the title this year. They're clicking everywhere. And Malin and Adiemi are spectacular. You don't need Halia to score goals, not with Malin and Adiemi doing so well, not with Brandt and Bellingham getting back in form. Uh not you know a fullback as as versatile and talented as Guerrero thriving back in his natural position. You don't need uh, uh at all uh, you have depth in this squad you have goals all around this squad and they are in much 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 better shape than bayern right now they could absolutely take this title
0: right well it's good good to chat title race we've had half an hour of title race Let, let's duly move on to relegation chat and we'll finish with europe european stuff as well um so it wasn't a good weekend really for any of the uh, sides involved in the relegation race, so to speak. Um, The Friday night game um, was a six-pointer of of some senses, um, probably one of the poorest, poorer games of the weekend, considering the amount of goals that we got, as per usual, I guess, with the Bundesliga. Um, But having said that now, uh, I guess a point looks... Fairly okay for, for Stuttgart. I mean, if I'm coming from it thinking that every team that were in and around them lost, uh, it was a good point. Wataro Endo, the you know captain fantastic. He won so many duels in that match. Uh, he, he was fantastic uh, and got the, the equaliser. Uh, when I was watching this, I was fully ready to be augsburg uh, if that's a word that we can use. I going ahead early on, um, getting into shape, very solid. I, I had no thoughts that we were going to get an equaliser. I felt like it was going to be a 1-0 uh, throughout the entire match. But lo and behold, the the character of, of <laughs> the card is still very, very strong. They, they often go deep into matches and they often create some mayhem one way or the other um obviously seeing the the game last week and, and then again this week it wasn't a pretty goal but endo was in the right place at the right time luckily uh to make uh obviously that that chance i think that there wasn't really much after that really i think that there was a cross that hit girassi and it almost kind of went in but other than that um don't know if you two had too many thoughts on this game we can probably brush over it quite easily and go on to some of the other games but uh Stuttgart hanging in and maybe a better point for them than Augsburg. I don't know, really. I mean, Augsburg are now pushed a little bit further away as well. Um, I'm interested to hear thoughts from you both
2: yeah i'd actually say it was a better point for augsburg personally that was my honest opinion because i I just thought i don't know what's happened to augsburg because i think me and peter have covered a a few of their games we've talked extensively about Augsburg, and at the time we were we were both really impressed with them you know we we were talking about them going to have the best season in a long time you know but it's just not worked out that way again under enrico mars and to be honest i had a feeling he might even get fired before this game i just had a feeling that it might happen because you know, we, we mentioned before that Augsburg do like to fire managers just as the, the run-in is coming in. They've not been very good for a while. But the, the thing is with this game, they started perfectly as well. I thought it was a good goal. Animaio with a brilliant ball. And he's been off form a little bit in recent weeks, but he put in a brilliant ball for Bellio, obviously replacing Barisha. He, he headed home easily. That was a classic Augsburg goal for me. And, it looked like it was going to be one of those Friday nights again for a long period. And obviously, we've talked extensively about Augsburg loving the Friday night games. But you know, the the one thing I'd say about Augsburg is they don't push for a second goal enough. That's the problem. You know, I think Stuttgart were there for the taking. Stuttgart didn't really play well in this game, actually, especially considering that the two games before they were really good as well, mm. like really, really good. They scored six goals in the previous two games. But in this game, they just didn't really look like scoring. And obviously, in the end, it was a bit of a scrappy one that got the level of wasn't it? I mean, could the goalkeeper have done a little bit better? Obviously, the initial strike uh Endo bundled it towards the goalkeeper. There was no it in this match. It was obviously the uh the backup goalkeeper Kubek who didn't exactly cover himself in glory in his first stint when uh Geekovitz was injured earlier in the season and I don't know. It wasn't a howler, but it's one of them. I think Gijkovic would have dealt with that a little bit better and perhaps prevented the rebound being tucked away by the the Japanese international, who was one of the best players on the pitch, if not the best player, as you mentioned. But, like, yeah, it's, again, it's out, but it's one that got away, you know. They probably should have been able to see out that game. And I think earlier in the season, they would have been seeing out that game. But they just seem to have lost a bit of confidence and... But overall, there's still five points clear of Stuttgart and they should stay up from this point. And that's the truth.
0: Yeah, um, yeah I think that's fair enough. I, I agree. It, from a performance point of view, I think Augsburg were ahead of Stuttgart. Stuttgart had dropped off in, in that sense. Although they should have equalised quite quickly after the first goal. There was a chance uh, where Carazor won the ball high up the pitch. Uh, Girasi strangely passed it to Furich. Uh, when I thought he, would, he should have just shot anyway. Um, and Furick managed to test uh, the keeper, went over the bar. Uh, and then there's that cross in, I presume, from Souza, and it managed to elude everyone. I think Gerasi took it off Endo's toe when he was just about to tap it in. Um, other than those two very quick chances after the goal, yeah, it was pretty, well, blunt from from Sugar Peter, and um, Thoughts on this game very quickly. Do, do you agree with Mark? Better point for Augsburg in the end. Um, Stuttgart keeping in those matches. But yeah, the the big Ws are the ones that are going to get them out of trouble, I guess.
1: Well, as we've uh, been talking about in recent weeks on this uh, this pod, 35 is, is probably your match <laughs> uh, no matter what. So Kern and Bremen both made 35 points this weekend with wins. Um a draw for both of these teams, Augsburg on 30, Stuttgart on 25, doesn't do either one all that much good. And I I think that, um, yeah, it, it wasn't a very good game. I mean, Augsburg, as we were talking about before we went on air, have blown more leads than any other Bundesliga team. That's a hard fact. Uh, they need to do better in that regard. And I think that... Hernis, I actually liked his personnel choices in this one I liked how he took off Furrich and Milo at the half because he was dissatisfied with his buttressing attackers and i like his decision to yank Sosa too he was not having a good game that's mm-hmm. something of a high caliber player something of a of a sacred cow so I think this was very much a deserved uh point from stuttgart and I would not label either team safe not on 25 and 30 points at this at this stage no. in the season uh, I mean, kudos to Wataro uh, Endo. I, I would love to see him holding up the captain's armband before the Mercedes-Benz Arena crowd, just like he was doing in the, the final match day last season. He is a fantastic player. Um, Matarazzo made an excellent decision, making him the skipper of this side uh, after Gonzalo Castro was, was mm-hmm. let go. So, um yeah. I guess that's that, but we'll we'll be talking more about these teams in the relegation race in the coming weeks. I don't think either one is safe.
0: I have no doubt. Um, <laughs> I think even if Stuttgart mathematically got safe, I still wouldn't count them as safe. Um, they still worry me so much. Um, but, yeah, um, like I mentioned, it wasn't a good weekend um, for the likes of Hertha or Borkum, who both played on Saturday afternoon and were both uh, well blown out of the water by their opponents uh so just very bad afternoons fr- from both of them from a defensive point of view having seen having obviously watched the the highlights and the games back some of the goals that you know both Bolkem and herta conceded their defenses are just ripped apart mm. and it's not from the from the sake of uh Verder and volsberg being you know, cut like playing cutting edge football. They were just from normal phases of football. Um, I, I just found it so strange how bad the defending was. Uh, I know we've kind of spoken sometimes about how poor Herter have been from um, from a defensive point of view on occasion, but Balcomer at home, gents. You know, I, f- I felt that was a genuine winnable chance for them against uh, Wolfsburg, but. They just did not turn up in the slightest. Svanberg got himself a double. Vimmer obviously a bit lucky in that sense. Um, Ryman had a bit of a stinker in net. Um, Jonas uh, Jonas Vind was a very lucky boy with his Penenka style penalty, uh, which hit the which hit the crossbar, um, and he still got away with it because they scored the rebound. Um, But. Yeah, ever so strange. If we start talking about Balkan first, then we'll go on to Herta. Um, But, yeah, uh, the home fans were in good voice, Mark, but unfortunately mm. they did not get given a proper performance by their uh, by their players.
2: Yeah, I think the ultras unfurled a big banner saying, you know, the fans are with you before the game. But I think by the end, I'm not sure whether they were, to be honest. <laughs> because, you know, I think... I think one man that I'm a little bit worried about at the minute is that man Riemann because, you know, he's saved them so many times. Last year, he was one of the goalkeepers of the season. He was that good. But, you know, he got he got a little bit of stick against Stuttgart in the last home game when he was at, at fault for one slash two goals. But in this game, yeah. he was at fault for two slash three goals. So, I mean... it. He's a very confident guy, Riemann, and he probably feels as though he could probably pay for, play for a bigger club and that he's almost doing like the Bulkham fans a favour, staying there in a way. I, I get that mm-hmm. feeling at times. But like his performances of late like, haven't been good enough. But as you mentioned, it wasn't only him in this game for Bulkham. It was just a car crash of a performance, really. I mean, Odets was really poor, and he he's generally been pretty good this season. Even Masovic, you know, a captain fantastic, you know, a, a, very popular player with the bulk of he was poor in this match as well and i just think it was one of those off days but the, the problem is for them is that they've had two poor home games in a row now mm. at home is where they get the points you know it's kind of like the venovia arena is basically like a, a fortress and then as you mentioned eight goals conceded conceded in two games for them now at home you can't be doing that can you and it's uh as you mentioned, they're, they're starting to slip down. I've been more worried about them than Augsburg at the moment, to be honest, because their form is not good. They were good at Union Berlin last week, but this was a really a dreadful performance. You know, congratulations to Wolfsburg. We've been on their back a little bit, but, you know, some yeah. good finishing, especially from Svanberg. I thought he was really good. Wimmer was really good yeah. in the game too. So good to see them coming back to some form. But, yeah, both of them are really poor in this match.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um, Peter, yeah, worrying for Balkan, particularly if that home form starts to elude them with only a few games to go.
1: Riemann hasn't been right since that confrontation in the stands a couple of weeks ago. That's what's got him down. Uh, The Balkan back four were terrible, although not as terrible as they had to back four. If you want (laughs) to, I mean, uh, you know, who was the worst right back of the weekend? Um, uh, Thomas Lech put Jordi Ose Tutu at right back. Uh, I guess, I don't know, maybe Sadie Yanko is, is just imagine that had a form dip. But uh, yeah, Osei Tutu at right back, that was horrible. He was horrible. He got yanked in, tw- what is it, 24 minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. He took him off and, and put Christian Gamboa back on there. So um, And and Daniel, Danilo Suarez, the other uh, fullback, was equally just putrid. Um, you know, actually, even though Wolfsburg took a 3-0 halftime lead, watching that game, I thought Bochum... I thought there was a lot you know, that was promising about their build-up play. And it sounds silly, but I mean, I don't think that a 5-1 result was was really necessarily justified there. Wolfsburg finished their chances, some really nice finishes. I, I don't think Bochum were anywhere near as bad as the, as the scoreline would suggest there, and I... I wouldn't I think that in the coming Friday night fixture <clears throat> which is a a derby as Ballum pointed out the uh, it's a Kleine Rivia derby one of the smaller ones in, in in Westphalia uh at home I mean they could they could give uh, a, I mean Dortmund are just in in excellent form but uh with the, uh, some defensive adjustments uh they could maybe keep it a a low scoring affair that's entirely possible Hatta yeah I mean Okay, so who was the worst right back of the weekend? Was it Osei Tutu, or was it what is Paul Dardai doing starting Petar Pekovic at, at right? Write- <laughs> 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 you know, and and I I, I want to share a little bit about Dardai because um, you know I was on my new shift this weekend and Dardai went totally nuts in the in the Sunday training session. He ejected Ivan Sundic off the pitch with a piss-off. There's videos of it, viral videos of it everywhere. You can check it out. And then he went, you know, to the press, and and being Paul Dadai, we talked about last week how it's nice to see a music character and everything, came up with this metaphor about why he's, you know, going to press on the team now. Because he was he was a little bit nice. The reason that he had to lined up in a back four this weekend, Dadai admitted, he took a vote, <laughs> He he asked the players which which uh, uh, you know if they wanted to play in a back four and uh, and and majority uh, rules. So he he tried to be the players' coach. He tried to be the players' trainer. And then when that didn't work out, he he went all the way to the other extreme, and and said this thing <laughs> and likened you know his honesty and his candor uh, to, with this team to saying that you know it's important to let your wife know when she's serving you cold soup now i'm not sure what kind of century we're in you know where <clears throat> uh where you sit down and you know maybe maybe in in you know i could picture paul dada in some sort of magyar yurt <laughs> you know getting you know, <laughs> served soup by his wife and say soup <laughs> you know I mean, who uses this metaphor anymore what whose wife serves them soup but anyway so he said you know it's important to to let your wife know that she's serving you cold soup and if your wife loves you then she will give you warm soup i'm just thinking to myself oh my god <laughs> what have hats have gotten themselves into now <laughs> i mean how is this guy who's rambling about soup uh, uh going to fix this mess oh god they were uh I mean, the whole back four was awful. Pekarik was awful. Dardai was terrible. Uh, uh, Rogul, who came on at the half, was a disaster. Uh, uh, he does. Oh man, this was. They were. I think hatza were far, far worse. Uh, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, they're just such a funny team. Like well, Hatz in these going back to, yeah, of players.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. There was a delay there, Rory. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs>
0: Sorry, no, I just want I just wanted to give due credit to the hat-trick hero of the weekend as well, um, who took his chances uh, very, very well. And, you know, with uh, our striking partnerships go, he and Fulkrug have been a joy to watch this season, really have, you know, gelled really well. But at the same time, Certainly from my point of view, Fulkrug has obviously got most of the headlines because he has finished the majority of the chances and and you know Dush has been more of behind the scenes. He's he scored scored his goals, but not as regularly. Um and you know, I was thrilled that he scored a hat-trick, um, some really nice finishes. The third goal was taken really excellently as well. Uh, so you know, I, I think that's fantastic for Verda. They broke their duck of being on a bit of a bad run of form in terms of results. but I think as we've all said in the recent weeks, it's not like Verda have actually been playing very badly. um from a performance sense, obviously they held themselves to what was car crash defending, summed up perfectly. Uh, by the fourth goal of, of her to some superbly horrendous uh, communication, defending, passing, all of which Weiser then comes in to, to take advantage of and uh, and tap home for 4-0. Um, if I'm being super, super, super generous, is there maybe a positive mark to take from her to point of view of scoring two, two goals without reply? Um, nice finish from ngankam after um sub serdar set him up with a nice pass actually um and then lubakio getting his what is now a custom penalty which he dispatched um very nicely as per usual very good penalty taker um is that surely that's the only thing that they can cling on to from a positive sense
2: yeah, I would say there's nothing they can really take from this game. As you mentioned, they did score two goals, but the game was long, long, long yeah. gone by yep. that time. Like, And to be honest, I think that the four flattered Herter, in truth. I think uh, they should have had five or six, or even seven, to be honest with you. As you mentioned, I think Verda were great. They, they got the result they deserved after a while. I just think Dux has been really good. I totally agree with what you said, Rory. I think... Full Kruger's got all the attention, but I think Dux has been really, really good. And he's actually a really good finisher as well. You know, he often goes for that. He scores a lot of similar goals. He gets the ball at the far post and he just kind of curls an effort around the goalkeeper. He's got you know, he's a player that's always been good in the Spider Liga, but never very good in the Bundesliga before this season. But he's been really, really good this season. Eleven goals for the season as well. Him now, so he's only five behind his teammate uh Fulkeruk. So that's another thing we've not mentioned much recently. The, the the kind of golden boot is very, very close this season. Like nobody knows who's gonna win that. One player who has a good fit end to the season could win it because you know crooks currently uh injured, we don't know when he's gonna come back officially. So, and he's not really scored that many there in, in the rook runner, in truth, as well. So, who knows with that? But yeah, for her to no positive to me, it was a woeful performance. I agree with Peter, the peckerick starting. and I'd rather have Peter Pettigrew on the pitch than him, to be <laughs> honest with you, because yeah. he was absolutely garbage. Yeah, I just think the defense. Hertha, they just seem to have hundreds of players in the squad and half of them are just not good enough for Bundesliga standard in my eyes. You know, John Joe Kenny, I do like, but I don't know why he doesn't play very often, you know, a fullback. He's always been quite solid in my eyes, but they have a massive squad, Hertha Berlin, but I don't know. Just The team selection is just never right in my eyes. That's always been the problem with them. They just never select the right team. I mean, for me, Suat I should be starting games as well um you know it's just it's just not good enough really and they're probably going to get relegated for me barring a miracle really now
0: time will tell time will tell um we've got about 10 maybe 15 minutes depending on how long we go to to cover the um the rest of the matches and and the top top four race and maybe the race for europe um so tying in nicely was the sunday game between freiburg and schalke uh, and of course another team who are desperately looking for points um and it was uh well yeah uh, another uh match of relatively average goalkeeping um and some uh, again average defending i would say from schalke um who succumbed 4-0 in the end uh, a, a brace of goals for gregorzic uh early on in the match uh, the second goal being um well quite speculative i would say just a flicked on header very centrally as well, uh, which found its way into the back of the net. Um, obviously, the first goal being set up by Ritsu Doan, who was really good in the match, um, all over the place uh, as as per usual. It was very productive um, in that sense. Uh, they made it, you know, three uh, nil from Holler, um after again some very average goalkeeping uh, and the match obviously was already finished in that sense uh until they got actually quite a fluky fourth goal um a corner came in later on i think um I'm not sure which Freiburg player it was kind of made an effort for goal but it ended up falling perfectly for Ginter at the back post um for 4-0 which he duly finished at the near post uh from a Freiburg sense, gents, uh, incredibly important win from a uh, sense that they are charging towards top four. Uh, that obviously was that was the first game of Sunday. So they knew that obviously Leverkusen and RB are about to play. And of course, Union were then playing in the evening game against Gladbach. So they knew the pressure was on them. They had to do the job and they did it. Again, if we're talking about, you know, doing things professionally against a team that are really scrambling for their lives, They made it look quite easy in the end, and Grifo had a couple of chances as well. Could have been more than four for me. Uh, I'll go to the UP first on this one. Thoughts on the match?
1: Um, Yes, excellent tactics from Christian Streich. I really like this Michael Grigoric Lucas Hüller um, service striker arrangement that he has. Um, It is, it was a massive win for their prospects in the the top four. As you mentioned, Doan was covering every blade of grass, and Grifo hit the post. Uh, Mm. We were as Mark was talking about the um, the Golden Boot Race or the Golden Cannon Race, Grifo is currently second uh, with mm-hmm. 13 goals. It would be lovely to see our Italian from forzheim win that. Um, from Schalke's perspective, yeah, we called it in our match predictions there was going to be a soft goal from Schwolo, and as it so happened, it was the third one. And uh, That just doesn't seem to be former Freiburg. Christian Streich groomed him as a you know as a as a youngster at the academy. Uh, one really feels bad for him at this point because the career is has just gone down the tubes. Uh, but yeah, I mean top four race, Union won, Freiburg won. Freiburg did it in style. Good old uh, 4 0 uh, uh, victory. Union grounded it out. It was a it was an ugly, ugly win. But uh, that combined with the Leipzig loss. It's two traditional clubs on pace for Europe. That's that's yeah. quite something.
0: Yeah, it does. Um, they they kept on panning to uh, Farman on the bench or in the stands mm-hmm. as well, which yeah. I've made it even worse from that <laughs> kind of perspective. It just felt horrible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, shout out. And what was it? The first the first match that Jens has lost uh, since playing or since joining. Yes.
1: Yeah, he, he was he was yanked at the half. Uh, very very disappointing for, for good old mercedes ends. That's uh, yeah. yeah well, I mean, there were problems all along that back line. He had Matriciani at right back. He had a Aronin at left. There was um, he had to bring on yeah. He brought on Krymlo and whatnot. That that's that's another discussion. I mean, I think this you know with Schalke, obviously prospects not looking good. To think this was the second place team only five years ago only 5 years ago they finished second in the Bundesliga since then they've been relegated promoted might get relegated again yeah
0: absolutely um yeah the there are be leverkusen match i mean do we call it a smash and grab counter attacking football uh, leverkusen made the most of it uh, from that point of view uh, obviously getting the late second goal made it look a bit more comfortable from a scoreline perspective. Obviously, 2-0 kind of makes you think, oh, well,
1: mm-hmm. Leverkusen
0: on great form, just saw off a, you know mm-hmm. in a nice, easy sense, but obviously Frimpong um, broke late on and, and got hauled down by Sabozlai, who then got his second yellow card, and Amiri just about put his penalty away to make it 2-0 just very quickly, Leipzig will be desperately disappointed by that. They had an absolute barrel load of shots in this match um, and, and chances at, at Circa as a result and, and yet still found a way to lose. Um, seems to be a bit of a common trend with RB. They just ever so often throw in these performances where they just find a way to drop points uh, and now we're not even talking about RB in a sense of them being up there uh, from a title charge point of view they are really clinging on well they're not clinging on (laughs) they're outside the top four um but they're they're blowing their top four champions league credentials which is really important from a financial sense for for RB so what what do you reckon to them um, and their chances going forward for the rest of the well few games that we have left
2: Yeah, to be honest, I don't think they've been that good for a while now, really, uh, Abbey Leipzig. I think, obviously, Nkunku came on uh, in this game, which is obviously a massive boost for them ahead of the last five games, but I think Saboz was good. Obviously, he ended up getting sent off. He's been one of the bright sparks in the last ten games, but there's been quite a lot of disappointing performance this season for me from the club i mean Werner just uh, i think peter mentioned in the predictions you know he was really good against Augsburg but just didn't turn up for this game really again um he's not really done it i'm not sure how many goals he's got i would imagine around about eight nine this season but i think they were hoping he was going to get far more than that to be honest when they made the big move to get him from chelsea in the summer you know, he, he looks like a player that's just lost confidence after that ill-fated spell in England, doesn't he? Uh, I think he got, what, 34 goals the season he left or roundabout that. He, he was just a great finisher back then, wasn't he? But mm-hmm. just doesn't look the same player anymore. Hopefully, there's still opportunities for him to get back to his best next season. Yeah, I actually think uh, Leverkusen deserve credit because, you know, it, me and Peter did the watch-along um it was a hard trip, a very important game for them, which they played amazingly well in. They made a lot of changes today. Verts was obviously the main man who was missing, you know. So it, the front line was very much, you know, Lozek was leading the line. Adli, uh, obviously, who missed a few games and made his first start in a while. Yeah, obviously, Diaby is, pretty much starts every game, it seems. I mean, the guy's as fit as a flea, basically, as you would say. Yeah, I think they deserve credit. The first goal was a really good goal, a classic Leverkusen goal when Diaby played the ball back. And Lozek, who does seem to be getting a bit more confidence now, is starting to score a few goals. He finished well. You know, it wasn't a vintage Leverkusen performance. It was a back-to-the-wall kind of performance, which we don't see that often from them. But it proves that they can win ugly, which is what they need to do a little bit more of for me, Leverkusen. Because, you know, if they want to start challenging for regular top four and even titles, because I think this squad's good enough to challenge for titles, potentially, then they've got to start winning ugly. And that's what they did in this game. And I thought, you know, as you mentioned, Leipzig did miss, miss chances, especially during Kunku in the second half. That was an absolute sitter, wasn't it? I mean, How's he missed that one. It was practically an open net, really, for him. And he kind of scuffed his shot. But, yeah, Leipzig just aren't doing enough, especially away from home. They've been poor for a long, long time away from home. and Yeah, I'm not sure they're going to get top four, you know, Leipzig. Uh, I think they'd need one of Union and Freiburg to blow up for them to get it because I don't see them winning more than three of the last five games, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and then speaking of Union, Peter, winning ugly. um, Perfect kind of sentence, really, when it it comes to them. Uh, But I have to say... um, from the match sense, the one the one goal, the only goal that won the match, uh, mm. was filled with quality. Um, obviously, oh, the cross they came in, you know, perfectly weighted. Uh, but then from Geraldo Becker's point of view, as a striker, you can very easily just waft your foot, um, shank it, you know, go at it too hard, guides it in very, very mm. coolly, um Geraldo Becker and, and was obviously an incredibly important moment because you need that one bit, that one moment of quality in matches to win ugly. Um well or to you know to get those vital three points, which they knew obviously at the time they could take advantage of the match that had just happened. So yeah, vitally important win um and just the perfect end to the weekend for, for Union to then sit comfortably inside the top four once more.
1: Uh, very well put about the quality on that that goal. I, I I should have yeah. I don't want to diminish the quality on that goal either. Roussillon, also a a January acquisition who has worked mm-hmm. out amazingly well. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. I mean, I think when you look at Union and Leipzig they are two East German sides, so to speak, in competition for the top four race. Uh, Union also recovered in the midfield. Um, uh, Kadira and Laiduni mm. had much much better matches than they did last did. week against Bochum. Whereas uh Kampel and Haidara for Leipzig really slid back, in addition to Vanda sliding back, because they were very good in the in the in the win against Augsburg in the previous week. But um yeah, actually, I mean if you if you think about the table now, uh, what what would German fans like to see transpire for the duration of this season? Well, We would like it if both Leverkusen and Frankfurt did not qualify for Europe via the table. If Leverkusen wins the Europa League and Frankfurt win the Pokal, then we have five Champions League representatives and three Europa League uh, representatives by a a rather unique route. So uh, that's, you know, for Germans who may feel a little bit neutral about some of these sides in the race, that would be the ideal outcome.
0: Interesting thoughts. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I think the only game that we haven't mentioned at all was Hoffenheim-Köln. Um, and uh, obviously the away side have now put together a very solid run. on on being in four, two wins, two draws, I think, off the top of my head. Um, and, you know, it was pretty much a month ago where we were saying... <laughs> you know, Köln are getting drawn into this relegation race. They can't score. Mm. Uh, we're really... Wo- I wasn't really worried. I was hoping they would get drawn into it from a Stuttgart mm. point of view. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they uh, they turned up and, you know, they, they put in a very solid performance uh, away to Hoffenheim, who uh, were, yeah, ultimately outplayed. Um, some good performances again by... Um, Florian Kynes almost forgot his name. Uh, Skihiri, uh, Tillman getting on the score sheet again. Uh, even David Selke managed to help himself. So, a very mm-hmm. good afternoon. Um, for, for the Billy Goats. And what do we think? Does that now make uh, Cone safe, gents? So are we excluding yeah, them yeah. now from from the, from the 35 conversation. points? Yeah, yeah. Turns- 35 points.
2: And fair play to them and Stefan Baumgart as well, because as we mentioned, they they were looking bad, but they've been really good. I thought they were brilliant in this game, actually. I thought that was their best performance, one of the best performances of the season, and definitely the best probably since that 7-1 when they beat Like They they were just dominant in this game and deserved to win by the scoreline they did at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. They were being outplayed by Hoffenheim until the John Anthony Brooks handball.
0: <laughs> that yeah. was such an odd hand ball was like he was <laughs> executing a dance move there the way that he spreads his body oh yeah. that was a strange one for me. yeah
1: classic that. Wow. Yeah. but congratulations to both Kern and Bremen this weekend for for reaching 35 points Davy Selka has caught so much flack from so many of us will uh, he deserves uh, <laughs> uh some credit for scoring his second goal in a in a F FZ recall. Uh, and as you mentioned, Marvin Dux, his um, his first-ever Bundesliga hat-trick. Uh, wonderful scenes there at the the uh, Olympiastadion. Is, um, well, this happens a lot at the Olympiastadion, that uh, when away teams come in, they come with like a contingent of 10,000, 20,000 people. And so for, for Werder, it was kind of like a home game, and uh, they were able to go celebrate with the ultras there afterwards. Uh, one of the reasons why Hertha has problems is because you can pack a lot of away fans in that stadium
0: yeah and they have
1: 15,000 there the country yeah. that I watch yeah, 15,000 I think
2: Cologne had 8,000 at Hoffenheim so yeah. some uh, of the away followings in the Bundesliga are just crazy you know yeah. but it's like yeah 15,000 at one away game that's just insane really yeah, wow, nice yeah. Awesome.
0: um but yeah I think I think that's a good place to uh to finish for this evening. So um, thanks to everyone that's tuned in, whether you're watching live or if you're watching subsequently or if you're listening to the podcast. Appreciate everyone who listens and tunes in uh, to hear us ramble on about the best league in the world, Bundesliga, reflecting on Match Week 29. Um, So thank you as ever, Peter. Uh, Thank you, Mark. Before I hand over to you, Mark, just again, another quick shout out To um, our brilliant partners, Bundesliga Boxes, who have just launched Batch 29, head over to the website, head over to Twitter if you need to go through Twitter, at Bundesliga Boxes, to get yourself one of the fresh, authentic German tops that are going all the way from the Bundesliga, you can get all the way down to Regional Liga, make sure you check that out, and I shall now gladly hand over to Mark to finish up tonight's show.
2: Yep, so if you enjoyed what you saw, check out Out Over the Bar, Epi and Out Over the Bar Extra. Also, of course, otbfootball.net, which is the main centrepiece. You can see more and more articles being released on the Football League, on French football, just about everything out there. Yeah, and don't forget to like, comment and subscribe to the show and tell your friends, of course, about us. Yeah, but obviously we've got a lot of stuff coming for you before the end of the season. As uh, Rory mentioned, more and more watch-alongs, hopefully some more Bundesliga ones, also potentially playoff ones and some big European ones as well, obviously with Bayer Leverkusen still in action. Potentially Pokal as well is something that I'm hoping to uh, go ahead with. I think it's not this midweek, it's next midweek. I think the first weekend in May is going to be the Pokal semi. So a lot to look forward to before the end of the season. And yeah, we'll bring it all for you. So yeah, we'll see you then, guys. Bye-bye.